My name is Becky. I am a compulsive overeater for sure. And I have been so nervous about sharing one of the, um, you know, one of the things about getting asked to lead or share a meeting or get asked to do anything or that anybody even knows my, knows who I am. Um, I'm very grateful that somebody even knows my name, <laughs> you know, that I, I'm seeing today, that somebody misses me, that I'm recognized, that somebody's excited for me to see, be seen in the room. Um, but the downside of being asked to lead or share is that I'm left with my thinking about it for a month in advance, almost a month in advance, you know, and, and going in and out of ego and story and, and fear. And like, so for me to, for today, I still go through all of that. I'm not a comfortable speaker. <laughs> and so um, I just thank you, Cindy, thank you for giving me this opportunity to share my experience, strength and hope. And I want to thank you for, because I, I, um, the recovery that I have, I, it's, it's, it's grace. It's God's grace. And, and I'd like want to shout it from the mountaintops and I want to share it with other people because I want them to have the gift that I've been given. And at the same time, right on the other side of that is my, you know, my recovery is not as good as your recovery. My recovery is not good enough. I'm not where I want to be. So this experience has left me quite conflicted and, um, and sort of out of the comfort zone. But one thing I do know about sharing our experience, strength, and hope is that that is how this program works. And I really, truly believe that it's like we're two or more are gathered and I cannot do this thing alone. And so I just am grateful to be here in the hot seat, feeling a little, feeling the feelings. I just needed to get those, that out of the way um, because I do suffer from, you know, over a half a century of, of I'm not good enough. And uh, you know, just nothing I do is good enough. So, so I have a new language from that today. I'm practicing like the reading Susan read. I, um, I'm taking new actions when I have that kind of thinking today. I don't let that kind of thinking stop me. So I literally went back and forth about, you know, I'm not good enough. My program's not good enough to share it today. Back and forth, back and forth. And I consulted a couple people in the program you know, and it became really like, and I, and I consulted my higher power and I said, you know, my prayer is bless it or block it. Let me know what I should be doing. And it was, you know, the coincidences that happened, the people that I've spoken to about sharing, um, it became evident that I'm supposed to be here today sharing with you, whatever, whatever my recovery is. And so thank you for letting me get that out of the way. Um, so here is how I came into the program. Actually, let me tell you a little bit about my upbringing. I grew up, I was born in Provo, but I grew up prim primarily in Chicago, Illinois. I have two brothers, two sisters. There was five of us. My father's from Tahiti, 
and he was an immigrant who came here and became a drug enforcement agent for the government. I had a very, my, my social life as a child was around my religion, my family religion. So it was very, very family oriented. It was very um, kind of a wholesome upbringing. And my earliest recollections about food and how it made me feel was in my household, if you wanted the good stuff, you had to fight for it. You had to get up early and be the first one to the table to get the good, the good cut, you know, to get the good food. And so from a really young age, I started doing that, making sure that my food was um, available to me. I noticed none of my brothers and sisters did that. It was just me. I'm the middle child. And I didn't even, rec a lot of this, of course, has come as a process of being in the program. And so I would do things like, I, be, my, because my dad was from Tahiti and we lived in Chicago, we had a, a group, a professional Polynesian group, and we, we were one of those groups that went around and we did the hula and we danced and played music and we, we played professionally for luau's, for people's house parties, for corporations. Um, and you know, my, all my aunts, they worked for like Hawaiian airlines. So we would, I would be in a grass from the time I could walk. I was in a little grass skirt and a skimpy little outfit with either a little coconut bra, you know, as I got older or, or, you know, just this skimpy outfits from a very young age. So I'd have, my body was exposed. And, um, from a very young age, I remember things like my aunt was a size of zero. And when I was a teenager, I think I skipped zero. I don't think it even existed. Like, you know, I, as a teenager, my, the smallest size I was ever re recalled was a size seven, eight, but I wanted to be a size zero, like my auntie who I danced with because all the costumes were much smaller and they fit her and she looked great. And I remember being a seven, eight, you know, teenager and looking and all I could see was this gigantic person. I just, I felt like I was an Amazon. Um, and that was my perception very, very, very young on, I would be comparing myself to the other dancers and they would say something because in, in that, in the world of uh, entertaining your size and the way you look and the color of your skin and the length of my hair. I mean, my hair wasn't long enough. I had to wear a wig. My, I, I can, I continued to dance professionally as I went on, I got married very young age. I got, you know, uh, knocked up at 18, got married and I continued to dance to, to support the household. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I was working at places like the Polynesian Village at SeaWorld in Florida, and I had to have, I had to be tan. <laughs> my dad, my dad was from Tahiti, but my mom was like, but white American, like her skin was white, like pure white. It was beautiful, but it left me a half breed, you know, a hapa as they call it. And so, 
there was something wrong with me from a very young age. I just, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I fit in. And some of my family members and the people that I worked with let me know the way I look is not acceptable, you know? So I'd have to go hit the tanning bed and lay out in the sun and, you know, just to try to be dark enough and to, and I'd have to buy a wig, even though my hair was down to the middle of my back, it wasn't long enough. It had to be down to my butt, you know? And, um, you know, and I just felt huge. I felt like an Amazon. I, I, I just, I always felt like I was the ugly one. My, um, my, I have two sisters and, you know, some, somewhere along the road, we, came up with, I was given the brains, my other sisters were given the looks. And um, so, you know, that's what I've been, that's what's been planted in my head since the beginning of Becky. <laughs> and so, uh, so that was my upbringing. Now, time went on and I had, like I said, I had this religious upbringing. I had a connection with the higher power. And, um, but I never, I really didn't understand what faith meant. I really didn't understand the concept of trusting a higher power, but I had an introduction to one. And as time went on, I found myself more and more miserable in a marriage. And at the age of 28, I discovered alcohol and went on a whole journey with that. It, a very short journey, which ended in lots of mental institutions uh, lots of suicide attempts and, um, you know, and eventually at the age of 33 or so, 32 or 33, I found Alcoholics Anonymous. What the process has been for me to get here has been a step-by-step -step process. So I started in one program, which led me to another program after years of, you know, sobriety. I switched my addiction to people and, you know, that my codependence issues. And so I found another program that began to teach me how to keep the focus on me. And, and that actually in, as I, you know, uh, about 10 years into my sobriety, I, when I got sober, I was a, I stopped dancing. I was um, managing a YMCA and I was responsible for the health and wellness. So I, you know, I'm an aerobic instructor. I'm a personal trainer. I'm a fitness instructor. I'm working out all the time obsessively. And that had been my life for quite very physical, like a very physical life. And, um, and what happened was when I, when my whole world came crashing down, I continued to eat six to 8,000 calories a day but I didn't have the activity level. So in less than nine months, I put on 90, almost hundred pounds. And then I continued to hang on to that weight for a long, long time. Now, about 10 years into my sobriety, I decided to go to an OA meeting in Pasadena. And there was this woman there and she was very large. She was to me, she was like my, she was my size. We were both about, I, my top weight was 285. She was about 300 pounds. But I remember thinking, I wonder why they have somebody that's overweight leading this meeting. And then she started to tell her story and she started to talk about how she has been maintaining a 200 pound weight loss from being over 500 pounds.
And when she started sharing, I, I just lost it. I, I just felt, I just felt icky. I just hated myself for being so judgmental. And I just thought I, I can never, I'll never get this. And I was so upset and I was so emotionally, um, unstable and emotion, uncomfortable with my own emotions that I started crying. And when I cried back then, I, it's like the uncontrollable, (laughs) you know, like it's embarrassing kind of crying, like, like I lose my shit and then I start vomiting. So my crying was always vomiting episodes. So while I was in that meeting in Pasadena, just losing it, trying to hold it together to, to like, please finish this meeting so I can get out. Um, I ran out of the meeting as quickly as I could. And as I don't know who did it, somebody in that meeting stuck a, a newcomer packet and this book, Voices of Recovery. They stuck that in my hand as I darted out the door and didn't talk to anybody. And so I added this book, The Voices of Recovery, to my morning meditation routine. And I started reading it. And for almost 10 years, maybe maybe it was more like nine years, that would be part of my morning meditation. But I never wanted to step back into an OA meeting. And then five years ago, um, my diabetes had gone full-blown. My, you know, I was on high blood pressure medication, on diabetic medication. And I, and I, you know, I had, I had been in 12-step recovery and I had gotten a little bit of emotional stable stability underneath my belt. I also um, live with a bipolar a diagnosis. And so it took some time for me to get some just any kind of stability whatsoever. And so I, now, I, now I have these physical issues. And in the back of my mind, I had been reading this book every day. And I knew, I knew where I needed to go. And so I got into that other program that helps you with your codependency. Thank you. Is that five minutes or 10? Well, that's like 12. Uh, okay. You got that's- another five. How's okay. that? Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you, Rob. Oops. Um, and so, so, you know, every day I read this, I would identify. <laughs> and then in that other program, uh, you know, in Al-Anon, I'll just say in Al-Anon, um, they started to shift the focus and put it on me. So in that program, I started to look closer at myself and and start to take care of myself. And co- no coincidence, coincidence, right? God, divine intervention. My sponsor in that program had over 20 years in this program. And so when I was doing my inventory in that program, she said, oh, you know, I, I do my inventory on how much I hated my body and blah, blah, blah. She'd say, yeah, when you're ready to address that, you'll go to OA. And <laughs> she just said, she wouldn't even talk about it. She wouldn't even go into it. She'd just say, yeah, when you're ready, when you, you know, the time will come when you're ready to, to um, address that, you know, there's a place for you to go. And that's it. She would just drop it. And so the time came and I, what happened is I went to my doctor and like, I'm now I'm back on all my diabetes. My diabetes is good, getting out of control. My hands, my arms, everything, my feet are numb. 
I have all the numbness. I'm, you know, frequent urination. I'm about two, 285 pounds. I am, I feel sick all the time. I just feel sick all the time. And I have terrible arthritis from all the sports and athletics and dancing that I did. Uh, you know, I just felt like crap. And um, I went to the doctor and I started to and he, he actually suggested two things. He suggested a bariatric surgeon. He wanted me to look into the weight loss surgery. And he also suggested and referred me to a nutritionist. And so I went to the nutritionist and I set up an appointment with the bariatric surgeon. And, and the nutritionist was this beautiful young girl. And she, she went into the thing that we always hear, you know, just balance your meals and watch your eating and eat, you know, and have just the right amount of carbs and protein and balance and da da da. And as she was talking to me, I'm like, but what do I do about my head? And she's like, well, you know, it would be good for you to see a therapist. And like, I had a moment of clarity. It was like, oh my God, she can't help me. <laughs> I knew, this girl has no clue what I'm talking about. And I, and I knew I, I, I have, I'm condemned. I must go to OA. It's the way I kind of perceived is like, okay, I tried everything. There's no options. They don't get it. I got to go to people who get it, you know? And I found myself in, um, uh, like in October of 2015 in OA. And, um, I, you know, my first meeting, I went to the meeting and, cried all the way through it and went, I know I'm going, I'm stopping at Taco Bell. It's just down the street. And I did, I went to Taco Bell and probably bought like five or six items. Like I always do, you know, and you know, that's how it was. That's how it was. So when I got here, I met this loving person. I'm sure she's impacted all of you guys. I met this loving person, Susan, who agreed to be my sponsor and, um, who I've, who is completely underutilized, I will tell you. <laughs> but the things that she, the time and that she's taken with me and the things that she has said to me have made a profound transformation in my life. Now, I am in four programs. And one of my challenges when we started this program is that reading my OA issues have to be the most important thing in my life. Now, I hear that, and, and when I really look at it, I know that this is the issue that is the biggest issue. It's kind of the way I put it in my mind is like, AA was like grade school. Al-Anon is like going to college. OA is like getting a PhD in spirituality because it is truly the thing that, that I struggle with the most. Um, and so it is very important in my life, but I had to take it my, at the, my sponsor's suggestion because I'm in four, active in four programs. I sponsor people in different programs and I had to prioritize me. And I also was responsible for um, my job, uh, a company and, and employees and, I'm just spread really thin. And so I, I had to give my schedule to my higher power and try to stop judging it. So I have found um, that I use phone meetings and have gotten commitments in phone meetings. I, I, I got married and moved to 
just far enough away from you guys, not terribly far, but far enough away that I, it will, it's, it's a three hour, three, uh, at least a three hour chunk of time for me to get to the meeting in at Skivvy. And so I'm very grateful that someone called me and asked me if I could start um, moderating phone meetings because that's been very helpful to me. And I, and I just have one commitment on Tuesdays and it's kept me in this language because this is a very specific language and people from the other programs don't speak this language. I need to hear the language of OA, specifically the language of OA for me to improve. Uh, I think my time is probably up, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to give you my gratitude list for today, um, specific to my compulsive overeating and some of the things that I have been, um, that have, that I've abstained from some of the compulsive behaviors and foods that I have abstained from that I, I think are miraculous. Um, for over 35 years, I drank four to six liters of Diet Coke. I am off of soda because of this program. Uh, for my entire life, driving and eating was the only way to drive, to have a stash of food with continuous eating, continuous eating. There was never a moment where I didn't have food in my hands or in my mouth. It's always, always, always going in. My, my, my food plan is three meals a day with two, two snacks. I'm, I'm, it's a start and a stop. I'm grateful for that. I used to get on the scale and the scale triggers that thinking I need to diet. I need to go on this. Oh, everybody's doing keto. Oh, everybody's doing the grapefruit. Oh, everybody's doing whatever the diet is. Studying on a scale makes me insane. I get on the scale once a month. And that whole month, I think, oh man, I, I can tell I, my clothes are getting tight. I'm putting on weight. I, I know I've probably gained like five or 10 pounds. And every month I stand on the scale and I'm, in, I'm within one or two pounds of my weight. And, I, and it's, that is probably, that's probably the number one act of faith for me because I want to get on the scale every couple days. And then I tell, I tell myself, Becky, your higher power has you in his hands. He's going to help you. You don't have to step on the scale, trust him. And then I don't step on the scale. And I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop to be like, you know, just, and it doesn't because I continue to trust my higher power and bring him into my eating. Um, I know it's a, just a small thing for most people, but for me, it's huge. I mean, I did a, the family size bag of Lay's potato chips make every day, all the time. And I haven't had Lay's potato chips since I got abstinent in this program, January 16th of 2016. Um, so that's just a gratitude list that I have for this program and just being awake and conscious when I'm eating and recognizing when I'm full. I'll say this and I'll be quiet. I did end up going through with that surgery and I'm so grateful. I'm off the diabetic medication. I'm off the high blood pressure medication, but 
make no means, don't let it fool you. The thinking has not changed. The thinking is still there. And the thinking, the only, my only solution to the thinking is this specific program. This is the only program that's helped with the thinking. And as you guys know, most people that do a weight loss surgery, most of them gain it all back. It's, it's because it, it set, the disease of this program centers in the mind. It's an obsession and a physical allergy. And I really believe that. And, um, but I also have multiple health issues that had I not gone through with that, my, the complications of, of those things and getting older, um, I'm just grateful that my higher power directed me to use the medical community. You know, the big book says we do not believe in good doctor and we seek outside help where necessary when it comes to medical issues. So my, my opinion on that is there is no opinion. You guys gave me the dignity to figure it out with my higher powers direction and with my with um, the help of Susan pr predominantly in the meetings on Saturday morning. So I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much for letting me share.